Welcome to the Future Accords on KTUH University of Hawaii Radio for the cultural and educational enrichment of the students of Hawaii as well as the global community. On this show, we will interview thought leaders to hear about their past, present, and hopes for the future. Join us as we dive into topics around the five P's of sustainable development, people, planet, prosperity, peace, and partnerships. I'm your host, Ari Eisenstadt, and let's explore the future together. Aloha and welcome to the Future Accords. I'm your host, Ari Eisenstadt. Today we have a very special guest. We're joined by Gurkha Mahaita, the Global Marketing and Communications Director for the Global Island Partnership. Gurkham, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Aria. Aloha. Aloha. So I'm so excited to, to learn more about your really fascinating experiences living all around the world, bringing yourself now to Hawaii, working in the private sector with NGOs uh, and in the UN system. Um, so let's dive in. First, where are you from and what did you study in school? So I'm from Germany, raised by Turkish parents, and I started studying for my bachelor's degree international management with languages, and for my master's I did strategic fashion marketing. Fantastic. And where did you go to study? So I started in Germany, uh, south of Germany where I'm from, um, in the city called Reutlingen, and then I went to Lincoln as part of my top up here, and for my master's I went to London to the University of the Arts. Fantastic. And then you went and worked in government. What was that first experience like? It was a great experience since I started working first in the international relations department. And um, I got headhunted by the ex-foreign minister who heard that I was speaking several languages and that he wanted to work with me. So I went then straight from the international relations department to the European Harmonization Committee, which was uh, even more international experience for me since I was able to meet the foreign minister of Portugal, but also work on my own on the Black Sea Synergy um, presentation, which for me at the time was huge because I thought as an intern you just serve coffee or do the little things. Um, but already, as I said, when I started out working in the international relations department, I was doing a lot of translations, working on different key tasks, but then being upgraded to the European Harmonization Committee was a great experience because then I learned like um, the language of cultural diplomacy since the ex-foreign minister was very engaged in that but also in general learning on communicating on a diplomatic level which was a very different extra language I guess. And this was in the Turkish parliament? Yes that was in the Turkish parliament. So you went from Germany to the UK to Turkey. What was your next step like? After Turkey I went back to the UK to do my master's in strategic fashion marketing because as much as I loved my experience in politics, I realized I needed more creativity because fashion was my passion. It was obvious for me that I needed to do my master's in marketing and within like fashion. So I did that first and then I started freelancing in Paris for different um, companies. And that was also a very great um, experience since I was able to use also my desire to work like in a fast paced environment because comparatively, um, if, if I can compare my experience in fashion to the experience in politics, these are two different spheres because fashion is fast paced and politics can be very like bureaucratic. And that's where my frustration was coming in because I thought like I cannot just wait for too long. I need to move and shake things. And as I wanted to also distill like um, the crave of my childhood, which was like contributing to a change in the world or um, 
also like to peace i thought like through fashion i can lead like to empowerment of women or of human beings in general because fashion for me was also a statement of um, personality that's how you showcase who you are who you want to be and yeah that's how i felt like that i can move more things but also as i said be more creative because as much as i like like the language of diplomacy and um, thinking cultural diplomacy is a great initiative but i want to be more in a fast-paced environment first and learn that industry first and if then I'm old. At that time, I was very young. I was 24. I thought when I'm old, like around 30, I may go back into the diplomacy sphere and then do things on like a political level, government level or NGO level. That's great. So then that brings us to your work with these different UN agencies. What was the first group that you worked with there? So I worked with UN Women in L.A., since I wanted to work for gender equality and as I approached you and women in Paris first I knew I had to volunteer since I didn't have any previous experience with NGOs and for me it was obvious that I needed to go to the chapter in Los Angeles since I was really um, interested in content production and I was working on content production as I had experience in Australia before I produced a fashion film that was just made for fun actually but that ended up getting some um, awards around the world and I was working with the film director Marie Schuler, with whom I hope to continue with the project early next year and yeah that's how I went to UN um, Women in Los Angeles and I was very happy to talk to the director via Skype. She was very happy that I was able to volunteer for her because as soon as I entered like the NGO sphere, I also realized like uh, budgets are limited and they need people from different industries to help first, but also gain the experience. And as I was gaining experience, I was also able to work less in fashion and switch from fashion to this NGO world. Great. What was the campaign that you worked on with UN Women? So I worked on the Orange the World campaign and um, it was for the chapter in Los Angeles, which was smaller scale wise compared to the global um, campaign. But from effectiveness perspective, I think that we achieved our goal of getting more partners on board, getting more visibility and raising awareness um, for this campaign. with which Orange stands for solidarity and prevention of violence against women. That's great. You've also worked with the Food and Agricultural Organization, another UN body. Uh, What was it like going from this very social sciences perspective then on to looking at food and agriculture? Um, For me, I think... It was linked because it was like for different causes, but there was a cause, there was a reason. But obviously um, between gender equality and ocean health or um, in this regard with FAU, Common Oceans, ABNJ, it was more about fisheries and about the regulation of the high seas. This side was more um, policy making for me with FAU because um, what I was working on with um, UN women at that time was consumer facing, but also industry facing. And then all of a sudden I was like on the policy side, but it was linked then again because I had to work on the translation because it had to turn into a campaign that was facing consumers. And um, it was engaging in both regards because I had to read myself into the topics, 
topics and understand um, what key messages could be that should be translated to you and me so that we could understand what was really what was happening in an easy way but other than that obviously different topics one was like for the environment and one was like for gender equality um, but again the reason why I really liked both organizations or still like both organizations it's like for a cause that is affecting the world and then the lives of everyday people. Wonderful. That brings us now to the Global Island Partnership and your work with them. First, what is the Global Island Partnership? So the Global Island Partnership in short stands for GLISPA and it is led by islands for islands um, for the um, island resilience at the global scale. What is it made of? Uh, it's a membership-based uh, platform, so we work with different NGOs, intergovernmental organizations, countries, islands, our leaders, and um, the private sector. So, so really a, a multi-sectoral approach exactly. to these island issues. What are the, the main campaigns that you're working on right now with GLISPA? So right now we just launched in September the Local 2030 Islands Network. That is our key um, project that we are working on and on on the other side we have like our partners campaigns which is coffee which stands for the coalition of fragile ecosystems um, it's a campaign that we launched with the mountain partnership and which is going to be officially launched next year in um, the philippines and um, then we work on different conferences as, as well, such as with the University of Guam for the um, Island Wisdom for a Global uh, Future conference in March. But um, yeah, our key campaign within GLISPA is the Local 2030 Islands Network. So t tell us more about that. What does it mean to be a Local 2030 hub? Um, so the hub is different because uh, the hub is dedicated to, to Hawaii Green Growth, which was the first um, UN-recognized hub. And the Local 2030 Island Network is like a network for um, all islands around the world, but it can be also for developed countries. Whoever wants to be part of the island movement can um, join our pl platform. And um, with that platform, what we are trying to do is portraying like um, islands as innovators and also showcasing how they are coming with action-oriented and sustainable solutions that could be scaled globally um, with the right partners. And at this stage, we have uh, different islands as partners, such as the Seychelles, Marshall Islands, Grenada, Belize, Curaçao, Ireland, Hawaii, Guam. And then we have also NGOs as, as partners, such as UNDP, UN Habitat, Ask Lisba, Hawaii Green Growth, and UN Foundation. So, so many different stakeholders on yes. such a big issue. And the idea of the year 2030 is that that's when the all the member states of the United Nations have agreed to achieve the sustainable development goals. So exactly. everything from ending poverty, having health care, education, gender equality, and really fixing all of our environmental issues as well as world peace. So exactly. pretty big initiative yes. uh, to be focused on. What is the role of islands in this huge geopolitical agenda. As islands are at the forefront of climate change, they have to also come up with um, solutions that are um, affecting 
the lives of um, all the human beings who are living on islands, but also around the world. Because if you look at it, we're living on this planet that you can see as island Earth. So at the end, everybody is like on this island. But um, so islands are working on actions that are affecting them directly. And they are leading different sustainability um, initiatives and amongst others, what is really um, action-oriented and helping islands are issues around clean and renewable energy, healthy ocean and resilient infrastructure so um, that they can continue facing the challenges that um, are happening but also um, be at the forefront of engaging the local community and the local industry to face diverse issues. Great. So where does Hawaii fit into this specifically? So Hawaii Green Growth is one of our key partners. And with them, um, we launched in 2015 the Aloha Plus Challenge, with which we have also brought um, the dashboard that is able to measure progress and um, to promote also at a global scale that Hawaii is leading sustainability through the culture, but also through the different um, methods that you apply on everyday basis, on an everyday basis. Great. I want to learn more about that and those initiatives, but I'm really interested in hearing more about what your personal day-to-day work is like with as the director of communications. How do you tell these stories in an engaging way mm-hmm. to, to the community? So um, our main communication tool right now is social media and um, a newsletter that we're just reformatting now so that we can um, uh, address different target groups. And what I do on a day-to-day business is like working on key messaging for partners, but also our own platform, which is Glispa. And um, trying to see where the gaps are within communication to make the language more easy and um, going like from the complex NGO bureaucratic writing into something that is more um, tangible and easy to understand. So I still use like um, keywords like sustainability and the words that I'm just repeating myself right now. But um, complex issues, I try to just like translate into a easy language that um, you and me could understand with ease. So you, so you have all these different stakeholders in your audience. Yep. And so you're really working on that challenge of getting it down that to average people to understand what is going on at these highest levels of government. Not only because like I still have to be in touch with our stakeholders who need to read everything in their own language system. So the spectrum is broad, but we have like different communication tools, which is like social media, then you have the newsletter, but then we have also community groups and we have weekly calls where we set up like board meetings and different meetings. So you adapt the language based on the target audience. But since we want to create this movement for Island Earth, we decided that we want to become also more consumer facing because the more awareness you raise, the more you can um, contribute to um, change in behavior. And this is where we're standing at because starting next year, we're getting into the um, decade of action from the UN and um, achieving sustainable development goals is not just possible within like the policy making world or like the NGO world. You need everybody to be involved and understand what SDGs are standing for, what Hawaii is doing, what other islands are doing and um, how you can in your everyday life do little things to change uh, your behavior to contribute to a better world. So it starts like 
um, with the plastic pollution problem, you just know that you have to be more sustainable in like using less plastic, but also getting like your wooden forks, your set of like other um, sustainable means. And um, yeah, that's like it has to be a mix between academia, policymakers, and also com consumers, I think, in raising awareness. Um, and language for that is very important. But then again, it's not just about writing or communicating or creating campaigns, I think, because it's great that there are a lot of campaigns going around the world and that there is a rise in different voices. But for behavioral change, what you need to do right now is like touching the hearts and minds of the people and that you can achieve through cultural diplomacy or other different ways of communicating your key messages. So what I mainly work on right now are like different ideas around cultural diplomacy because that is my spe specialization. But then again, um, consulting and helping our partners in conveying their messages so um, every day looks different for me so I cannot tell you what I'm doing every day it, it depends on like what projects we're having right now and as I said right now the coalition of fragile ecosystems which is like for the um, awareness raising for mountains and islands and then the local 2030 islands network with which we are trying to bring different partners together to continue with this uh, movement for island earth and obviously like Hawaii green growth is like an ongoing um, key project that we're having because they're a role model for islands where we can showcase this is what this Hawaii is doing please be part of our movement and see what they're doing and try to use their local um, know-how and also use their solutions within your island. That's what we are trying to do. That's great. So what does it mean to use culture as a diplomatic tool? What, and what, what's an example of cultural diplomacy? So it can uh, vary between like a music festival that was like created um, through sustainable means. So one of our partners, Sound Diplomacy, is working on different festivals and initiatives like a fashion week. I think in September there was the first circular economy. Um, it's just showcasing that the industry can also contribute to um, sustainable development goals by just changing their format. To raise awareness through campaigns, cultural diplomacy means just like that you're using using different creative discourses such as fashion, arts, music to um, integrate into your like key messaging or into your video production, whatever you're creating. But then cultural diplomacy is such a broad like project that it depends on which area you're applying it to. If it's creating a campaign or something else, um, it just varies. That's great. So in, in looking towards the future, you mentioned circular economy. So what, what does that mean? So circular economy is like using what you already have through um, sustainable um, means. And Guam is like a good example because they are focusing on a, a sustainability um, conference in March. And the University of Guam is very active in circular economy, I think, as well. Um, and what they do is like their, their title is like um, Island Wisdom for a Global Future. What they try to do is like focusing on indigenous like um, knowledge but also the inherent system thinking that you have on islands to make things that you have better in a sustainable way it 
doesn't mean that you have to create new things. You take what you have already and just reformat it. Yeah, for example, they use banana leaves to um, create also paper for business cards. But circular economy in fashion means like using existing um, products that you had, for example, a trouser, then you reformat it to a bag. So things that you have, you just repurpose. So it's a way of recycling and upcycling and continuing to use the resources that we have while still growing the economy. Going back to this idea of fragile ecosystems, what is an example of a fragile ecosystem and how do they how do they work together on this global scale? So um, there is a lot of biodiversity loss, for example, on mountains and islands. And what we are trying to do is like bringing these ecosystems together. They join forces. So the Global Island Partnership and the Mountain Partnership, they join forces to showcase the world. This is where we are at, but this is where we want to go. Uh, with the Coalition of Fragile Ecosystems, we brought together um, different um, stakeholders, which is between like government, policymakers, academia, but also private sector. And from the private sector, we have slow food and sustainable travel because um, what we uh, will convey in messaging is like we want to create sustainable tourism t destinations for mountains and for islands and with the official launch next year in uh, Manila in Philippines um, in May we want to um, showcase that if you create initiatives that are action-oriented for the local community by the local community by creating job security and um, you can just create a movement for these ecosystems that need a lot of support and you need to raise a lot of awareness for them. Great. And it's not just just awareness. You've talked about these innovation labs that are also emerging out of these fragile ecosystems and, and island communities. What is the role and what is the future of social innovation from this grassroots level? Uh, I think by locally um, embracing all these solutions, you will first give like a sense of confidence, but also a sense of belonging within the community and showcase that what they have already is like good enough and that even the international um, level is looking to the local level because internationally right now we don't know what the global solutions really are but there are some solutions but the global solutions can be only achieved and that's what the UN is reiterating as well if you cooperate on a local level so by first giving back to the local level and creating grassroots movement, you create a um, level of confidence, a sense of belonging, and knowing also that you can be proud of what you have. And this makes uh, this reminds me actually to my fashion experience when I was consulting the Fashion Week of Turkey. They had a branding problem because they they were sponsored by a very international um, company, but they were like. For the branding, we don't know what we should be conveying. And I just looked at everything and I said, like, why do you look beyond what you have in front of your door is already good enough. Just use like the cultural heritage you have here in Turkey. Go to the east of Turkey if you want to bring some folkloric elements in. But um, don't strive to be like the others. And I think the sense is also getting bigger and bigger within island communities. I see a big pride of islanders already. And there was never an issue of becoming international, I think. But if you look at the um, food system, and for me, 
I also still get shocked sometimes when I go to different islands, when I see all these big chains um, of fast foods that are like um, appearing on islands. And knowing that this should be and could be changed is already giving a, a point of hope to the island community, the people who are living there, because they, they then get the feeling of like, oh, actually, our food is even better. We don't have to get everything ex imported or we, we can just like focus on on our local resources that we have. And if we need something internationally, we just have to collaborate with them. But our solutions are good enough and we want to stay within the community and we want to collaborate definitely with the international community. But that doesn't mean like that you have to bring in all the international ideas into the island or mountainscape, but you just focus on indigenous knowledge, everything that belongs actually to this island. Fantastic. So what do you see as the future of GLISPA and how can people get involved? So with the uh, Local 2030 Islands Network, we really want to push for the year of action and achieving like the SDG goals of 2030. And for that, um, we want to get different partners involved. They can come like from the private sector, public sector. But um, yeah, and for that, we have like four principles and um They rely on like local goals for the UN SDG advancement. Then the second one is public-private partnership. And the third one is the SDG progress measurement, where we use mainly like the Aloha Plus challenge dashboard. And the fourth one is on the implementation stage of these initiatives. So um, it's very action-oriented and um, very partnership-oriented. We want to get more islands involved, but also get a goodwill ambassador such as Jason Momoa. And we hope that we will be able to raise the voices for islanders. So not just individuals and influencers, but also uh, businesses, NGOs, universities, governments, they all really fit into this ecosystem. Yeah. That's where we want to get at. Yes. Great. So where can people learn more about GLISPA and your work? So um, glispa.org, which is G-L-I-S-P-A.org, or they can email me under Gorkem, G-O-R-K-E-M, at glispa.org if they are interested in our initiative or working with GLISPA. Fantastic. Well, Gurgum, thank you so much for being with us and speaking in your fourth language in this podcast. Thank you so um, much. It is such an honor, and we look forward to hearing back from you soon. Thank you so much, Ari. And mahalo to all of you for listening to the Future Accords on KTUH. We'll talk to you soon. Mahalo. Mahalo.